Amen. Amen. Genesis 41 tonight, continuing our series, looking at the life of Joseph, fruitful through affliction. Fruitful through affliction. He was afflicted by the rejection of his brothers, by the false accusation of Potiphar's wife, by the forgetfulness of the cupbearer. Throughout Joseph's life, he had to deal with affliction. And we find out at the beginning of Genesis chapter 41 that because the cupbearer forgot him, he spent two more years in prison. We don't know a lot of times why God chooses to do what he does, why the timing of things are what they are. But here's what we know, and we just sung about it many times tonight. The Lord was always with Joseph. The Lord never left Joseph nor forsook him while he was there. He prospered Joseph in every place that he was. I think he was growing Joseph. Remember, one of the great things about God is God can, can be accomplishing multiple things at the same time. And so God was preparing Joseph, but he was also preparing Joseph's family and brothers and Pharaoh and all these different layers God was in at the same time. And so two more years, and then this happens. Pharaoh has a dream, a dream of prophetic meaning. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go through the dream that Pharaoh had now. I want to wait till Joseph's interpretation later on in the chapter. But here's what I want us to see at the end of verse 7. When Pharaoh woke up, he realized that it was a dream of significance, that, that this wasn't just a dream that you have at night while you're asleep and you can just sort of dismiss it in the morning. This dream hung on because it says in verse 8, in the morning he was troubled. God got Pharaoh's attention through this dream or revelation, right? And Pharaoh was moved to action. This is a reminder to us. Remember, Pharaoh is not a believer in Jehovah. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt who believes in many other gods, false gods. And yet God, the true God, got his attention. It is a reminder to us that God can speak into the minds and hearts of anyone on this planet at any time. Any leader from anybody, okay? We need to remember that, you see. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it however he wants to. God can get our attention, anyone's attention, anytime he wants to. God used a dream to get Joseph's attention. God used a dream to drive the cupbearer and the baker to ask for an interpretation from Joseph. It got their attention. And now God is using a dream or revelation from him to get Pharaoh's attention. At that time in history, the most powerful man on the planet. And let me say this at this time. As Moses was writing these first five books of the Bible after the fact, I'm sure Moses uh, had a little bit of a smile on his face as he was writing this account. And here's why. Because to the Egyptians, Pharaoh was a god. Let's not forget that. Pharaoh was a god. And here's this 
God that can't help himself in a minute is going to look to all of his wise men and counselors and, and magicians and all that, and they're at a loss. The only one that knows what's going on is the one true God. So let's continue this story. In the morning, verse 8, he was troubled, so he called all the diviner priests of Egypt. These were men who were possessed with occultic knowledge. These were people in touch with what I believe were demonic spirits. And wise men, they were the astrologers and astronomers of Egypt. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but again, notice, no one could interpret them for him. All of them had nothing to offer Pharaoh at a loss. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I recall my failures. Not only did God get Pharaoh's attention through this dream, but guess what? Now God has got the cupbearer's attention through Pharaoh's dream. And through Pharaoh's dream, now the cupbearer goes, oh my goodness. No one in Pharaoh's court can help you, Pharaoh, but I know of a young man that I was in prison with, and he could interpret dreams. See what God <laughs> was doing here in all of this? Again, accomplishing many things at the same time. The cupbearer recalls this story to Pharaoh because it had been several years. He says in verse 10, remember Pharaoh, you were enraged with your servants. You put me in prison and you also put the chief baker in prison. Oh, by the way, we were in the royal prison and each of us had a dream and each of us had a dream with its own meaning. Verse 12, don't miss this. Now a young man, a Hebrew, a servant of the captain of the guards was with us there. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted the meaning of each of our respective dreams for us. I want you to go back up to the beginning of verse 12, because this applies to us. Notice that the Bible is reminding us of something about Joseph. He was young, no experience. You ever heard that? He was a Hebrew to the Egyptians, no pedigree. He was a servant, no status. How many times over the years I've heard Christians say, well, I can't do anything for the Lord because I don't have enough experience yet. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right training. Uh, I don't have the right status. I don't have the right background. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. And all God would say is, no pedigree, no status, no experience, no problem. I'm God. You and I cannot use the deficiencies that we see in ourselves or that others see in us. Let God define you. Joseph was still only 30 years of age, still a young man, still a Hebrew. And not only was he a servant, but... He was also a former prisoner, or would be. He didn't really have a lot going for him as far as the world is concerned, right? And yet, God was going to do what only God can do. God is looking for people 
who have enough trust and faith in him to put their lives in his hands and just see what God can do. Do not limit what God can do in you and through you because maybe of your lack of experience, lack of status, lack of pedigree, lack of training, lack of whatever. doesn't matter. If you're connected to God, you can go anywhere and do anything that God wants you to do. Verse 13, the cupbearer goes on to say, it happened, the interpretation of our dreams, just as he had said to us. But let's be reminded that this wasn't Joseph's word. This was God's word. God gave Joseph that interpretation. So this is another reminder about what we've just sung about, the faithfulness of God, the reliability of his word. It happened just as Joseph said it would, or God said it would. Pharaoh restored me to my office, but he impaled the baker. So notice, Pharaoh doesn't fool around. He needs to find out what this dream means. You see, another cultural thing here is Egyptians believed that dreams were significant and actually came from the gods. And therefore, for the leader of the world to have this very significant dream and not have anyone around to help him interpret it, yet again, I will point out, but Pharaoh was also considered a god and could not even help himself. He's frustrated. So he's willing to listen to pretty much anybody or anything at this point. And that's why it says in verse 14, he immediately summoned Joseph. They brought him quickly out of the dungeon. I want you to see that phrase, quickly out of the dungeon. When God moves, things can happen very quickly. Many times in our lives, God doesn't move as fast as we want him to. But when God chooses to act, look out. God can rattle the universe in a second if he wants to. Because now here comes this young man, this nobody, and now he's going to rise in the country of Egypt. Notice also he shaved himself. Don't miss that. That's a cultural thing too. See, the Hebrews were all about beards and facial hair. The Egyptians, that was a no-no. Egyptians shaved their heads and shaved their faces. They were clean-shaven, you see. So in order for him to present himself before Pharaoh, he made sure that he was totally clean-shaven, changed his clothes and came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and Pharaoh is going to share this dream. He says, and I've heard about you. Again, that goes back to that principle we've talked about through our study of Genesis. He was moved by what he heard, which is why it's so important that you and I make sure that we are hearing from God and primarily moving to the voice of God. God wants us to be moved by what we hear, but we've just got to make sure of what we're hearing. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, verse 16, it is not within my power, but God. In other words, it's not me, Pharaoh, it's God. He's giving all the glory 
all the credit to God. He's not taking any of it. And he does say, God, though, will speak concerning the welfare or literally the peace of mind of Pharaoh. Joseph is confident of that. So then in verse 17, down through verse 24, Pharaoh recalls the dream that he had. Again, I'm not going to go through that because we're going to get to that details of the dream now beginning in verse 25. So if you'll just follow me down to verse 25, we'll pick up the story there. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, both dreams of Pharaoh have the same meaning. God, the one true God, Elohim, has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Notice, Joseph is declaring two things about the one true God. That God knows the future and God ordains the future. God not only knows what's going to happen ahead of time, he's the one in control of it, you see. Totally blowing the Pharaoh God and the Egyptians and their gods away. By the way, what he is about to do for the next 14 years, because these dreams are about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. 14 years out, and God's got every detail. Think about that. Think about that, how that applies to your life. God is already ahead of you in your life. God knows exactly where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing, and all of the details of your life 14 years from now, just as he did 14 years ago. He knew exactly where I'd be standing on this Wednesday, 2022. That's the detail of our God. That's why God asks us to trust him. He's the only true God. He's the only one that knows the future and has ordained the future. He says, I know what's coming. Joseph said the seven good cows, verse 26, represent seven years, and the seven good heads of grain represent seven years. Both dreams have the same meaning. The seven lean, bad-looking cows that came up after them represent seven years, as do the seven empty heads of grain burned with the east wind. They represent seven years of famine or hunger in the land. This is just what I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now think about that. In his grace, God is showing this man that doesn't even believe in him something that's going to help this man preserve his own nation and his own people from perishing. Again, God is accomplishing many things at the same time. He's growing Joseph. He's working already on getting things arranged so that Joseph's family over here in Canaan is going to have to come to Egypt to get grain, which is going to then fulfill the dream that Joseph had of having his brothers bow down to him there. Oh, and he's also going to use this famine to, to not only teach uh, and glorify himself to his own people who are going to come to Egypt to get help. He's also going to glorify himself to the Egyptians. You see, remember, God wanted his people for a while to be in Egypt. And for many years while they were there, it was not a bad gig. It was only until after many, many generations to where the pharaohs and the leaders of Egypt 
forgot about Joseph and, and forgot about all that, that Joseph had, had, in a sense, influenced Egypt with. So then they started to turn against the Israelites and enslave them. But God wanted them there because Egypt was totally in control of the world, at least the known world at that time. And, and God grew them there. He provided for his own people through the Egyptians. And he protected his own people through the Egyptians. They never had an issue because the Egyptians sort of took care of them. They were under the umbrella of Egypt. This was all part of the plan of God. And this was what God was doing to move his people where he wanted them to be. Sometimes God uses hard things to get his people to where he needs us to be. Sometimes he uses hard things in our life to get us to be the people that we need to be. Sometimes he uses hard things for his people to be able to be a light to others who need to see God as well. This is all what we're seeing in the story of Joseph. Notice Joseph says, look, Seven years of famine, verse 30, will occur after them, and all the abundance will all but be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will ravage or devastate the land. The previous abundance of the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows, for the famine will be very severe. The word means grievous, oppressive, an extremely heavy burden. Can God use severe things? To accomplish his purposes? Absolutely. Can God use it to work in and through his own people? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was the way that God was going to get his people from Canaan to Egypt. It was a way for him to work on the hearts of even Joseph's brothers to get them to a place where they would repent of their sin against their brother and that he and his brothers would have a restoration of their relationship. God was doing so many wonderful things all at the same time. That's how great God is. Think about that in your own life. It's not just one layer, it's multiple layers at the same time. The dream was repeated or duplicated to Pharaoh, verse 32, because the matter had been decreed by God. Now, let's stop there because this goes back to my message Sunday and ties into that. It means to be fixed, securely determined by God. In other words, this isn't going to change. Again, remember, the things that God promises, the things that God prophesies about, the words that he says can be totally relied upon and depended upon. They are firm, they are fixed, they are stable, they are secure, they are sure. It is only those things that, that he's talking to us about in relationship with us that he's open to appeal. That's what we were talking about Sunday. You're sure, you're secure, you're stable when you trust the word of God. There's nothing more sure than that. And that's what Joseph was reminding Pharaoh. This is, this is going to happen, Pharaoh. And God, notice, will make it happen soon. Whew. So now, look at verse 33, first two words, so now. Basically, Joseph's saying, okay, Pharaoh, I interpreted the dream. I told you what God's going to do in the future, and I'm telling you, this God that tells us what's going to happen in the future is the same God that can make it happen. 
So now, what are you going to do with it? It is a reminder to us of this very important biblical principle. Revelation from God always requires a response. God wants people to respond to his revelation. So now, Pharaoh, what are you going to do with what God has revealed? God would be the same way with us. When God reveals himself or things to us, he wants us to respond. Again, this goes back even to that cyclical nature of worship and the word and how the more we learn about God and who he has revealed himself to be in the word, we get on our knees before him in worship. And the more we worship him, the more we want to go back and see more of what God has revealed about himself, and it just keeps on going. It's never ending. We must learn to be a good responder to what God is doing, moving, working, and revealing to us. So now, Pharaoh, notice what Joseph says. Pharaoh, you should look for a wise and discerning man and give him authority over all the land of Egypt. Joseph has gone now from being an interpreter to an advisor to Pharaoh. That took a lot of faith and courage from that young man, right? Remember, he's 30 years old. He's a Hebrew. He's a former slave and prisoner. And he's telling the leader of the known world what he should do? He's not now just interpreting. He's advising. You know what that tells me about Joseph? There's a young man who has a confident walk with his God. Because he's trying to get this man who could kill him in an instant to see that God is speaking through him and you better listen to what God is saying because it's going to preserve you, Pharaoh, and your whole nation. Without you taking action upon what God has revealed, you and your people will perish. God is looking for people like that who so clearly hear the word of God and know what God is speaking through them that they have no trouble even being a little bold, a little courageous, even to those that may be in authority over them. And so notice what Joseph says. Pharaoh, do this. He should appoint officials throughout the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land during the seven years of abundance. They should gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. By Pharaoh's authority, they should store up the grain to the cities so will have food, and they should preserve it. This food should be held in storage for the land in preparation for the seven years of famine that will occur throughout the land of Egypt. In this way, the land, or therefore the people, will not perish from the earth. This advice was good and sound. It made good sense to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find a man like Joseph, one in whom the Spirit of God is present? Remember, Pharaoh's supposed to be a god. Pharaoh is not a believer in Jehovah God. And yet Pharaoh can even recognize the Spirit of God in this young man. Can others, even unbelievers, recognize that God is present in us, that there is a higher power, a, a greater power in us that is operating, and there's more to us than just us. That was Joseph. 
Pharaoh said to Joseph, because God has enabled you to know all this. Notice that. Pharaoh's even acknowledging God had to give you this wisdom and knowledge. This had to come from him because there's no one as wise and discerning as you are. It's a great reminder to us. God also wants us to live by his wisdom and knowledge, a knowledge and wisdom that only comes from him, which is why he says in his word in the book of James, if any of you lack wisdom, which we all do, let him ask of God who will give to all of us liberally and will not be upset if we ask for that wisdom. He'll be glad to give it to us because it's a sign that we are relying and depending on the one who's greater than us, the one who knows more than we do. And Joseph was getting his wisdom and knowledge from the one true God. Notice verse 40. Pharaoh says to him, you will oversee my household and all my people will submit to your commands. Only I, the king, will be greater than you. Only God could bring a turn of events like this about. This is a nobody who becomes the second most powerful man on planet earth. Explain that other than God. How can a young man who is sold into slavery, spends years in prison in this country, how can he now be the second most powerful person on the planet? Only God. And, and God is just saying, I can do anything. There's nothing too hard or too difficult for me. Don't limit what I can do in and through you. I'm God. Remember Joseph. Remember where I took him from. Remember all that I brought him through. He never played the victim. He never just sat down and went, oh, my life's been terrible. My family rejects me. My family life is terrible. I've been falsely accused and I'm in prison and I shouldn't even be here. And even when I did more good, I was forgotten. I mean, he could have been, had every right, humanly speaking, to just go in the tank for the rest of his life and amount to nothing. But Joseph kept rising because of his faith in God and because he followed God. God can do the same thing with any of us as human beings. We don't have to wallow in our pits and prisons. God can bring us up out of those and raise us up and give us purpose and give us meaning and give us dignity and give us honor. In fact, notice verse 41. See here, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I place you in authority over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his own hand and put it on Joseph. He clothed him with linen clothes and put a gold chain around his neck. Thirteen years earlier, his own brothers stripped him of his dignity and honor and stripped him of that robe that his father gave him. And now Pharaoh, the most powerful man on planet Earth at this time, is giving Joseph a robe of even greater significance and greater consequence. He will now rule the most powerful nation on Earth. I can't even read that without even thinking about that day that we all get the glory and God's going to put a new robe on us too. Give us a new name. Give us some heavenly jewelry. A place in his eternal kingdom. 
that doesn't give you chills. Pharaoh had him right in his chariot, used by his second in command, and they cried out before him, kneel down. Joseph's brothers aren't the only ones that's going to be kneeling and bowing before Joseph. Everyone in the land of Egypt is bowing before this young man. He placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your permission, no one will move his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name, Zaphaneath Paneah, which means the God who lives and who speaks. What a great testimony. Pharaoh, the God of Egypt, right? The leader of Egypt is saying, your God, he's a God who lives. He's a God who speaks. I know that because of you, Joseph. You've given evidence that your God is real and that your God speaks. Amazing. It says Joseph was 30 years old, verse 46, when he began serving Pharaoh as king of Egypt. And during all those years of abundance, they stockpiled all that food for seven years, just as Joseph had advised. Joseph stored, verse 49, a vast amount of grain, like the sand of the sea, until it stopped measuring it because it was impossible to measure. A couple other things. Obviously, verse 45 tells us he got married while he was there and had two sons, verse 50 through 52. I'll come back to those later in the story of Joseph. But do notice this at the end of verse 52. Even Joseph said, certainly God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Where did I get the phrase fruitful through affliction? Right here. That's what Joseph's saying. The word suffering means affliction. He's saying, God made me fruitful through my affliction. Even when we're suffering, God can still make his people fruitful. So the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted, just as God had said, the reliability of God's work. There was famine in all the other lands, but throughout the land of Egypt there was food. When all the land of Egypt experienced a famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh said to all the people of Egypt, don't miss these next two words, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Does that remind you of something? Remember in the New Testament, when they were at the wedding feast, Jesus' mother says to those that were in charge, whatever he tells you, do it. It's exactly what Pharaoh is saying about Joseph here. Whatever Joseph says, do it. Go to him. I want you to see those two words for just a moment. Go to. Do you have a go-to person in your life or a couple go-to people in your life? We all need them. Yes, we need to go to the Lord, obviously, but God puts people in our lives to go to, too. Do you have a go-to person? Are you the go-to person for somebody? We all need that go-to person. Who's the person I go to? Who's the one I share my joys and my sorrows and all of these things with? Who's your go-to person? We all need a go-to person, at least one, in our lives. I love that. Go to him, because he's got the answers. He, he, he'll know what to do. And then hang in there with me. A couple more things. While the famine was over all the earth, Joseph opened up the storehouses 
and sold grain to the Egyptians. The famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. I want you to go back to that word storehouse. Living out of the overflow, are we filling our storehouse? Are we being consistent in filling our spiritual storehouse? Here's why. Because there will be times in our life, there may be days, there may be weeks, there may be months, there may be years, there may be seasons of lean, where either we're laid up, we don't have the time, we've got other distractions, we've got other things that we need to focus on, whatever, and we can't always rely on being able to fill the storehouse. But if we're filling it when we can fill it, then when we need to dip into it, it's there. That's why we need to be disciplined in our walk with God, in our devotional life, in our worship, in our time in the Word, and all that, because it's a way for us to fill our storehouse up and live out of the overflow. God not only wants us to do that physically, God wants us to do that spiritually. And so many Christians just live from sort of, as we say, paycheck to paycheck or from week to week, and, and they have nothing in their storehouse. So then when something comes up that sort of interrupts the normal routine or flow of their life, they're really put in a bad place because they haven't been consistent enough in filling their storehouse. I just want to encourage all of you here tonight and those of you that are listening, fill your storehouse when you can fill it because it will come in handy in those lean times when maybe you can't or don't have the time or the inclination to be able to fill it as much or as consistently as you want. But then at least there's stuff there to pull from. And then, don't miss this. We'll close with this tonight. People, verse 57, from every country. So next week, guess what? Joseph's family coming down to Egypt. People from every country came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe throughout the earth. This wasn't a localized thing. This was a worldwide famine. In times of crisis, people are drawn to and seek out certain individuals. That's what was happening in Egypt. There was a crisis and who are they going to? Who is their go-to? Joseph. God wants his people to be like Joseph, who in times of crisis don't freak out but remain calm and composed, who don't sit there and spin but who are confident and have clarity in moving forward, who are courageous who are fearless in times of crisis because people in crisis start looking around and looking to to see who is it that knows what to do because we don't. And God wants his people to be that kind of person that stands out in times of crisis. I was very cognizant 
and conscious of this a couple years ago when the pandemic started. God wanted our church to be strong during that crisis. Because I knew, as well as you, that there were people looking at us and looking to us. There were other ministries looking at us and looking to us. What are you doing? How are you handling this? You going to shut down? When are you going to? They didn't know, but they were looking around to see who had a clue of how to move through this, right? In crisis, that's what happens. And God wants us, his people, to be able to move through crisis, calm and composed, courageous, confident, and with clarity, because he can use those times then not to draw people to us, but to draw them to him. Because then it gives us that opportunity to share with them the God, our God, who's behind it all, who's giving us this calmness and composure and confidence and clarity through the crisis. That's the story of Joseph. Everybody was going to starve to death, but Joseph says, I got a plan. God gave me insight on how we can handle these seven years of hunger throughout the world. And I'll take care of it. Let's move this way. And Pharaoh, let's give Pharaoh the commendation. He, even as this great world leader, at least had humility at that point, unlike the Pharaoh that Moses had to deal with, who was full of pride, who said, you know what, young man? Your advice sounds pretty good to me. I think we need to follow it. And because Pharaoh had a little humility and followed the advice of this young Hebrew servant, the world was saved. The lengths that God will go to to go before his people, the lengths that God will go to to work through his people and in his people, God is amazing. And Joseph is a great example of one who may have had no experience, no pedigree, no status, but from God's perspective, no problem. God can do anything. Don't limit what God can and will and wants to do through your life and in your life. Be a Joseph. Let's all be a Joseph. Father, we thank you tonight. for again reminding us of this story that took place thousands of years ago and yet is so relevant even today. Lord, help us to be like Joseph. Help us, Lord, to follow you and have faith and trust in you to respond to your revelation, to move to your word and to your voice. And Lord, then to, to be such a great light and witness and testimony to everyone around. Even Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said, God's spirit is in you, young man. God is enabling you to help us with this worldwide famine. I'm putting you in charge. God. When we read and study the story of Joseph, may it encourage us 
to not limit ourselves in what you can do. But Lord, be reminded, God, that you're the God that nothing is too difficult or hard for. Lord, if you can bring a young man out of a prison in Egypt and make him the ruler of Egypt, there's nothing you can't do. So, Lord, may we trust you for our own lives and every detail of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We'll see you on Sunday, Lord willing.